Thank you for tuning in to The Rate Stuff. I'm your host, Lisa Rate, and in this podcast, I'm going to share insights on current hot topics in the areas of public policy, politics, and business with some guests along the way. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Rate Stuff. We're going to start off the series a little bit differently this time. Alzheimer's comes in all kinds of different shapes and forms. Sometimes you're on the caregiving side of it. Sometimes you're interested in the research side of it. And sometimes you are a family that's just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. There's lots of different topics you can think about when you're thinking about Alzheimer's. But of course, the one that always comes to mind is why is there no treatment and why is there no cure? There's a whole lot of reasons for that. And we're not really going to get into all of that today. But why I wanted to speak with today's guest is because I believe that she represents a group, a network that actually may have some real potential in terms of Alzheimer's and what we can do in order to at least find something that can modify this dastardly disease. Today, I'm delighted to have with me a guest, Kate Murray, who is the president and CEO of the Stem Cell Network here in Canada. We're going to talk about research in stem cells, but as always, I have the prerogative to ask any question that I want, and one of them is going to be around Alzheimer's. So welcome, Kate, and thank you so much for being here with me today on The Right Stuff. Oh, it's a real pleasure. I'm so excited about this conversation. So, you know, stem cells is a term that lots of Canadians know about for a whole bunch of reasons, but they're not necessarily familiar with the real opportunities. It's a term that's used, but we really don't know what it's about. Can you give us just a little bit about an introduction to the stem cell network and the opportunities that the technology can actually provide to us? Oh, absolutely. So stem cells are really the building blocks of the human body. They're the first cells that uh, we begin with, and they form into every other type of cell in the body, and as along with all of our organs, uh, right up to our hair. And so stem cells and the existence of stem cells was actually proven in the 1960s by James Till and Ernst McCullough in Toronto two Canadians, but us Canadians were too modest, so we don't have the Nobel. <clears throat> stem cells really, it's a cross-cutting technology for treating disease, whether it's a rare disease or a chronic disease, whether it's illness or injury. And stem cells also happen to be the engine for a field we call regenerative medicine. So tell me a little bit. You said rare diseases, chronic illnesses, regenerative medicine. Can you give me an example of where stem cell therapy is being utilized today that people would know about? Do you know a fellow named Dominic LeBlanc? Absolutely. Dominic was in the news recently yeah. about his stem cell treatment. He had um, been given stem cells by a donor from Germany to fight his cancer. He had a really aggressive blood cancer. He would have died without that stem cell transplant. That's how stem cells are most commonly being used today is to fight diseases like blood cancers. But stem cells are also providing hope for other diseases and are being tested by our research community for things like diabetes, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, wound repair, blindness, cardiovascular disease, even for the treatment of COVID. 
Amazing. So that's the beauty of the network then, right? You're not just one organization. You've got all kinds of different folks involved. So would this be research universities, individual hospitals? Who's involved in the network itself? Oh, it's a big, wide network. So we are a network of researchers from across the country, whether they're in a research hospital, whether they're in a university, whether they're associated with a charity or a foundation. There's a broad swath. So we have all of the major research labs presented in the network. And the network started back in 2001 when everybody was somewhat siloed in their labs in different universities and hospitals across the country. And then a 35 different researchers came together and said, let's put a network together. They did. We now have over 230 or so labs that we support. And next week, we're bringing together over 500 trainees and researchers from across Canada and around the world. So it's a big, wide uh, community with clinicians and ethicists and, and biologists and bioengineers. And what are you bringing them together for? This is our annual meeting. It's Great. called the Tilly McCullough meetings. And it's a big science meeting and a trainee meeting. And it allows all of the, the community to come together to talk about and share where the research is at, what's making their hair turn gray, what's getting them excited. And so we bring them together for about three days. This year we're in Vancouver right. and it'll be a really exciting meeting to catch up on um, where the science is going. And it always fuels new collaborations, new projects, and lots of mentorships and jobs for our, our postdocs, our PhDs, our young researchers. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm going to come back to the economic side of it in a minute, but I wanted to tell you that on the weekend, I actually read a book, a first person account from a woman in Ottawa who was a caregiver for her husband who had young onset Alzheimer's. And in the book, she detailed how after she was diagnosed, they went and sought stem cell treatment. Now they don't have it in Canada. So she went to the US and she went to Mexico. But here's the thing. I've never heard about that stuff before. It's not something that was presented to me. Mm. Tell me a little bit about misinformation and those kinds of things that can be detrimental to science in terms of moving along. I mean, I know that yep. there's legitimate yep. research yep. and I know what the Alzheimer's Association says about stem cell research, but we're mm -hmm. not there yet. No, we're not there yet. Not on Alzheimer's. There's a global problem in misinformation mm -hmm. and around stem cells. And there is a giant market yeah. uh, and a proliferation of clinics in this country who are offering unregulated, unproven stem cell treatments. Mm -hmm. What they're actually doing is they're taking advantage of the vulnerable. Yeah. They will take some of your cells, maybe skin cells, maybe fat cells. They'll put them into a little bioreactor, swish them around, and then put them back into you and tell you that's a stem cell therapy. Yeah. Well, that's just misinformation. Yeah. And there's great risk with that. It risks greater illness. Some people have ended up with tumors. In some cases, there's even been death. Yeah. So it's a real problem. Health Canada, the FDA, they're on it. They're aware, yep. which is great. But um, misinformation is a big issue around stem cells. And in fact, when we look at the, the challenges that we've seen with COVID and around vaccines, and uh, you know, I think the pioneer of all of that misinformation was stem cells. Yeah. So... I think that's a really good point too, Kate, that 
even though there is really good research going on in a lot of different areas, unless it is approved by Health Canada, FDA approved, or has a stamp of approval from some other organization, the reality is, is that there's a lot of stuff in research. If you'd like to take part in a research program, find a way to become part of that test that's going on, but not necessarily relying upon what you find on the internet, which can be oh. extraordinarily difficult for people who, in a vulnerable situation, like you said, having just been diagnosed with uh, with a chronic or fatal disease. The internet is a great place to find a nice dress. It's not a great place to find a medical diagnosis or cure. Yeah, I agree with you. And I know Alzheimer's is an issue close to your heart and I've heard your story yeah. and it, it touches me and it makes me cry actually, quite honestly. So let me tell you about stem cells and Alzheimer's. So we know and you know that there's about 500,000 living with dementia in Canada, of which Alzheimer's is, is the most prevalent issue. Yeah, It's expected to reach upwards of a million by the end of the decade. It's an epidemic, yeah. right along with cancer. Yeah. And yeah. the challenge with treating and understanding Alzheimer's is we can't really get into the brains of living patients. Yeah. Exactly. So that's hard to understand yeah. what's going on with this disease. But stem cells offer a better way to study to the disease and to screen for treatments. Right mm -hmm. now, there's maybe two or three drugs that are really the standard of care for Alzheimer's, but there's potential and hope for others. And yeah. what we're doing with stem cells, so like, can I tell you a couple of stories? Yeah, please. Okay. All right. So out West, uh, Stephanie Willerth, she's at the University of Victoria and she's a bioengineer and she's totally into 3D bioprinting. So what she's done is she's partnered up with a clinician and he is able to get the adult skin cells from Alzheimer's patients. Yeah. They take those skin cells and then manipulate them back to sort of a novel state. Mm -hmm. She's then able to 3D print this into neural tissue. Wow. From there, you can screen drugs against that neural tissue and, and, and see exactly how that drug is going to work. What's fascinating to me about this technique, as well as techniques where they do something similar, but it's in a Petri dish instead of with neural tissue, is that this leads us to potentially a personalized mm -hmm. medicine mm -hmm. down the road. Yeah. Now, this this isn't going to happen overnight. It's not tomorrow's cure. It's still in the lab. Yeah. We're not at the clinic yet. And I think that's really important for people to understand. Yeah. So it's not going to be there for your family or mine, but I'm hopeful it will be for our grandchildren. Yeah. Amen to that. I agree with you. So that is a case of one person and a clinician. Tell me about Canadian companies. How are Canadian companies doing when it comes to biomanufacturing or utilizing mm. stem cell technology? Uh, fantastic. So this, this is a, a blossoming space. The Alliance for Regenerative Medicine, in the, which is out of the United States, tracks what's going on. Last year was the best year on record for raises in this space. Over 20 billion. Amazing. 
and that topped the year before, which did hold the record that year. So the number of companies, the amount of investment, it's coming. When we think about the life sciences overall, the top three are immuno-oncology, mm-hmm. cancer, regenerative medicine, which is stem cell for the mm-hmm. make it an easy connect. These are the areas that are going to drive our economy into the into the future. And so I know, you know, you're part of this wonderful coalition with Anne McClellan, who um uh is a force to be reckoned yep. with yep. and a former health minister. Yeah, yeah. And and the the coalition, you talk about economic prosperity and health. Yeah. Well guess what is at the core of economic prosperity. It's our health. Yeah. How many companies lost how much productivity? Yeah. And over the last number of years, mm. and, and because of COVID, because of health solutions. So where does that take us back to? It takes us back to health research. It takes us back to the life sciences. It takes us back to the investors with the deep pockets who know that this is the place to put their bets. And the coalition that you kindly refer to is Coalition for a Better Future, which is a group of 131 organizations who are interested in making sure that we're talking about long-term growth, long-term economic growth here in the country. And you're right. I mean, productivity. Look, if you talk to CEOs out there, they will tell you that their issue is having enough people that can do the jobs that they have, that we're we're really lacking in terms of the workforce. And if we can make sure that we're keeping people in the workforce by helping them be healthier, that's that's a good outcome. It's awesome outcome. And and in fact, this is a role where the stem cell network comes to play. So not only do we fund research right through to clinical trials, but we train. Yeah. We train the next generation. So we're, we're training those who are our globally competitive, skilled talent, who are starting up the biotech companies, who are joining companies like Stem Cell Technologies and Blue Rock and others who are really driving forward and growing this sector. And, and, and so we at the Stem Cell Network, we work on making sure that they've got the right skills, whether those are career skills for working mm-hmm. in industry or academia, or whether it's the technical skills on how do I apply a, an automation approach to work I'm doing in my lab, or what is this 3D printing stuff, and what do I do with it? So the Stem Cell Network, we've actually trained over 5,000 since we came into existence. And um, I'm hoping by the end of the decade, that number will be 10. Amazing. Thousand. And (laughs) not just 10. So who supports the stem cell network? Who's the backer for all of this? So we are supported by the federal government. We started off way, way back in the day as a network of centers of excellence. Then Mm -hmm. in 2015, we graduated out of that program. And the new government of the day came in and said, look, we understand the value of this area and we're going to continue to invest. And in 2021, in fact, they um, more than doubled our budget. So excellent and wonderful. Um, And and so we at the, the network then go out and leverage and match that funding. In fact, I've just gone through an exercise where we've had to raise in partner support a hundred million. And we did that just with 20 partners. Holy mackerel. Good job. So imagine how much more. Amazing. Yeah. 
I think when people are, are ready and willing to put their money on the table, you know you've got a good bet in front of you. So it's cross-cutting. It's not just one area of chronic illness, not one area of research. You can utilize it in all kinds of different areas. And it is beneficial for our general growth in the economy because we started it here in Canada and we continue to work on it. Is that a fair way of, of summing it all up? Oh, you're very good. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I think uh, I think it's really important to shine light on really good news stories. You know, small organizations working away to yield great results in the country. So, Kate, I want to thank you so very much for joining me here today. Talk about stem cells, uh, the application of it, and uh, the economic opportunities that are are out there, and actually the betterment of our country. So, thanks for everything. Thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate the opportunity. You bet. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, if you have any questions or comments or even requests on topics to discuss, drop me a line at lisa.rate at cibc.com. Your interactions actually will make this better. I'm your host, Lisa Rate, and this has been The Rate Stuff. The materials disclosed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and subject to our code of conduct as well as IROC rules. The information and data contained herein has been obtained or derived from sources believed to be reliable without independent verification by CIBC Capital Markets and to the extent that such information and data is based on sources outside CIBC Capital Markets, we do not represent or warrant that any such information or data is accurate, adequate, or complete. Notwithstanding anything to the contrary herein, CIBC World Markets Inc. and or any affiliate thereof shall not assume any responsibility or liability of any nature in connection with any of the contents of this communication. This Communication is tailored for a particular audience, and accordingly, this message is intended for such specific audience only. Any dissemination, redistribution, or other use of this message or the market commentary contained herein by any recipient is unauthorized. This communication should not be construed as a research report. The services, securities, and investments discussed in this report may not be available to nor suitable for all investors. Nothing in this communication constitutes a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any specific investments discussed herein. Speakers on this podcast do not have any actual implied or apparent authority to act on behalf of any issuer mentioned in this podcast. The commentary and opinions expressed herein are solely those of the individual speakers, except where the author expressly states them to be the opinions of CIBC World Markets, Inc. The speakers may provide short-term trading views or ideas on issuers, securities, commodities, currencies, or other financial instruments, but investors should not expect continuing analysis, views, or discussion relating to those instruments discussed herein. Any information provided herein is not intended to represent an adequate basis for investors to make an informed investment decision and is subject to change without notice. CIBC Capital Markets is a trademark brand name under which Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, CIBC, its subsidiaries and affiliates provide products and services to our customers customers around the world. For more information about these legal entities, as well as the products and services offered by CIBC Capital Markets, please visit www.cibccm.com.